This is Trace Mayer, and you're listening to Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. Anyways, this is a public service announcement about the annual celebration of Proof of Keys. That's where the entire community withdraws all their Bitcoins to addresses where they hold the private keys and run a full node. So visit ProofofKeys.com to learn more about why and how you should participate. And please make a small change to your Twitter handle to show your support. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Oh, Oh, he's getting excited. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, (laughs) the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the One Bitcoin Show. Today is December the 12th, 12, 12, 2019. Strong hand, holder of last resort, proof of keys. Oh, man, this is your home of Bitcoin insider information. And we've got the apex predator here. He's offended by selling. He is Trace Bear. <laughs> Welcome to the show. You were impressed by this jitsy thing there. Or I guess you were. I don't know. You, you had a, a, a happy side. Yeah, th- thanks so much for having me. We're going to. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. We're going to have some fun today, tonight. Uh, oh, you know, baby. Fifth interview of the day. Save the best for last. Dude, well, have any of them been live like this one? Because this is live. People are in the chat. They're very excited about this. So, uh, no, this is this is the only live one. So, uh, yeah, so we're we're going to have some fun with it. All right. Let me ask you a a basic question before we get into uh, – into this question is a good leading question which is going to it's going to open up a lot of topics now where is it um how does the average how should the average joe store bitcoin how should the average joe store? because every time you're on this show you scare a lot of average joes i gotta tell you when you start talking about your storage (laughs) protocols okay so that's i want to take this out right right from the start before we get into all the proof of keys nitty-gritty how should the average joe store his bitcoin you know, if you have a hundred dollars of Bitcoin, put a hundred dollars of thought into it. But if you've got more value, put more thought into it. And people should be trying to learn, you know, and develop their human capital and their skills and their ability. And so, you know, try to keep improving the ability that you 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 have in storing your private keys. Bitcoin Core is wonderful, you know. Bitcoin Core encrypt the wallet; it's free. Uh, that's going to be pretty safe you know, uh, Bitcoin Core is, and branch out from there. You know, with Bitcoin Core, you're running a full node. You're doing all your own validation right off the bat. You're holding your own private keys. You can branch out from there to using, you know, different cold storage methods and everything like Armory. Uh, there's uh, on Proof of Keys, we have Glacier Protocol and Smart Custody uh, Guide by Christopher Allen that, that people can use. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just for the average Joe that's just starting like, Get get right into it with Bitcoin Core, like well, how, like how, run a full node, do okay. that. Then how about the hardware devices? You didn't mention the hardware devices. Yeah, uh, well, that's because I don't like using uh, special purpose hardware devices because the people know what you're using it for. So it it just really uh, I like using general purpose computers, you know. Um, and then I, I see a tourism I see. laptop, you you know. Uh, I mean, I, I can't recommend stuff that's not the best, right? Because like people might think, oh, I should do something that's not the best uh, for securing the coins. I mean, I got a tinfoil sombrero that's huge. Um, and, and you know, I've, I've just seen so many of my friends get wrecked 
really bad uh, because they've procrastinated or they've been just ignorant or lazy on on how they should be storing their keys. They haven't put in the work. So, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get shortcuts from me, but like, uh, I mean, maybe Bitcoin Core and then then move out from there. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, Bitcoin's serious and their consequences. And when you lose those bitcoins, like, it's painful. Now, I want to say something about the average. I mean, the average Joe isn't too worried about people knowing he has a a hardware device for a specific uh, purpose. I mean, he. Well, he should be. He, he should. should be. You, okay, he should be. You're saying he. You should say. Okay, there you go. The average Joe's. Well, in your opinion. I mean, I mean think, think about this. You're like buying a, a Bitcoin specific piece of hardware off of Amazon. They got your your shipping well, address. Yes, you should ISP. Do that. You shouldn't buy it off of your Amazon. ISP. Your your ISP knows that you're using Bitcoin with the traffic and the ports. Uh, you're you're connecting to Le Trezor or Ledger's uh, uh, server in order to query the balance uh, of your Bitcoins. You're not even running your full node, so you're trusting them to tell you you actually have bitcoins or not, and you're giving them all this data uh, that they probably turn around and sell. Uh, or and and even if they don't sell it, they're a giant honeypot to get hacked. And then a hacker knows that you you've got bitcoins and balances, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's just a bad idea, in my opinion. Just run Bitcoin Core. Uh, you know, at least that's gonna you know we that's really been built to to try to minimize data leaks and privacy leaks and, and everything like that. And then, then you can move out and use more advanced stuff like a satellite with a computer that's never touched the internet. Then you've got to, then you, then you're really doing it right. You know, not even your ISP knows that you're, you're doing Bitcoin stuff. Like how cool is that? Oh man. Pound that it's part like of the ethos. <laughs> it is. Pound the like button. Right? I'm saying, I was going to say, pound that like Adam is trying to make people less scared, and I just made people more scared. So, this is a uh, <laughs> classic trace appearance on the show. It starts out right away. Did you hear about the uh, Keep Key situation that was recently? They had a. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Kraken crack showed you that's not very secure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you know, and crack and hack the heat and keep key, right? <laughs> you you are a Kraken fan yourself, there too. Uh, hey, yeah. I was a big investor in Kraken, <laughs> yes. and part of the reason is because they take security serious. If you don't take security serious, you're going to get wrecked in this space. All right, um, well, it's just a matter of time, you know. Uh, so you you need to have this adversarial way of thinking. Like, how are people going to steal my bitcoins? You know, people should be worried about that and be and and. and Figure out how to how to secure their bitcoins in a way that they feel comfortable, so that they're not having to worry about that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, now I want to go back to the average Joe again, because I had someone, and I love proof of keys. I love this whole thing. I I've been putting your little segment in my pod audio podcast. Everyone can listen to the audio podcast or watch here. Um, Disruptmeister.com. Follow me on Twitter at TechBalt T E C H B A L T. And by the way, Trace is linked to below. All proof of keys. But uh, I had a guest on. And I asked him about proof of keys and he's just like, there are so many average Joe type people out there that they lose more Bitcoin by trying to send it off of the exchange. And I thought about that. He says, you know, there's gotta, I mean, uh, there, there has to been so much Bitcoin loss from people not sending it properly, sending it to a B cash address, doing all sorts of things. Uh, and he said, it's you know, all these people are getting in the proof of keys 
for some people, it's just better to keep it on the exchange. Now, I don't like that, but I, I did I did think about that a little bit. It, it made me think, and, and some people were like, you know, we, what, what's the education? I mean, you've got to have an education uh, aspect of this uh, program also, where people know the basics, where they're comfortable actually moving their uh, Bitcoin off of these exchanges, because there are a few of them that might be just they might make some huge mistakes by trying to participate in proof of keys. And I really hadn't thought about that before. Well, first, like I, I, I don't disagree. There's like an unlimited amount of stupid in the world. Right. Yes. Um, but I'm not aware of anybody that has tried to participate in proof of keys and has actually lost their Bitcoin. Okay, I just haven't but, seen a single tweet. No, about no, 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 that. no, no. I, I, I haven't I seen a single that. comment and youtube videos like i just haven't seen i haven't seen that i mean i would really like to know like how did somebody screw this up like how did you copy and paste the address wrong he, and not be able to withdraw it you know i mean what he like saying what, he what's the trust. problem here is it the user interface on the exchange like I what's mean, that he was with the, the person wasn't attacking that this has happened with proof of keys before he's just saying in the history of bitcoin and cryptocurrency he felt there have been more people losing coins from sending it incorrectly or sending it to the wrong address or not knowing what they're doing. Like, ba ba based on what I, data? I mean, he feels I, it, but I, like, where's the data? There was I mean, no data. People have there lost way data. more Bitcoin with untrustworthy. Yeah, exactly. People have lost way more Bitcoin with untrustworthy custodians than they've lost, like, sending to the wrong key or whatever. Um I should I mean, bring. I should bring. And, and start small, you know. Make, you know, start small. Start with like five dollars worth of Bitcoin. Get comfortable with the technology. Like move it around. You know, don't, you don't when you're when you're practicing and when you're doing the drill uh, and when you're learning something. You know, learn it incremental incrementally. Like figure out how this stuff works. Especially, you know. You learn how to do it with Bitcoin, and then you can learn how to how to do it with other coins. And each coin, like, might have something unique to it, uh, you know. And this is all part of learning how to use the technology, and it's investing in yourself and developing the human capital. And that's that's what Proof of Keys is really about: is you know this transfer of knowledge, like figuring out how to do this stuff. And you know, we talk about it, and it generates the discussion, and then everybody's able to help everybody else, like, figure out how to do this. Uh, but but to try and scare people and keep them ignorant and keep them a slave instead of claiming their monetary sovereignty, like I think that's just a you know that's a that's doing them a great disservice. Uh, you know we I want people to be first class Bitcoin citizens that have claimed their monetary sovereignty that are running full nodes holding their own private keys because that helps strengthen the Bitcoin network. Uh, it decentralizes it makes it more censorship resistant. You've got these economically substantive transactions being verified by full nodes that are enforcing a 21 million total Bitcoin rule, for example. Uh, you got people holding their private keys so you don't have a giant honeypot for government to seize or for hackers to exploit or whatever. Uh, you know, all of this is just, you know, it, it's I don't I don't see any downside to it. Uh, and if people, you know, if people have a have a bad experience because they made a mistake, you know, they're probably not going to make that mistake again because it's a little painful, yes. um, you know, and that's, that's good. That's part of the learning process, skin in your knee. You, you got to learn how to ride the bike. 
Yes. Well, I, I think it was Alex Svetsky who brought this up on my show, and I think he was being contrarian to an extreme. But I mean, he, he, I don't know. I should I, I should have brought him on to, uh, to to talk to you today. Maybe uh, maybe he'll contact you about his. Uh, his concerns over the whole situation. Again, I love, I love it. I think everyone should be talking about it. You've been talking, you talked about it on five different shows today. Let's see what happens. If, if some of these exchanges actually get called out and how many more people can be educated, but it's very important. People educate your, there has to be a huge educational aspect to, to this project. Um, people need to know what they're doing. Before oh, they, because I mean, one thing, Bitcoin, Oh, sorry. Sorry. You, you, you go. You go. You go. Well, I was just going to say Bitcoin's the great educator. You know, we did. I announced proof of keys last year. Quadriga CX failed. Cryptopia failed. Ouch. You know, hundreds of millions of dollars lost. I doubt I doubt there's anybody who lost any Bitcoins last year doing proof of keys. And no, I Peter McCormick, you know, who runs the What Bitcoin Did podcast, he had half a Bitcoin on Cryptopia that he'd completely forgotten about. <laughs> that he went and got because of proof of keys and any he, he otherwise would have lost that you know so just doing your couch cleaning and finding bitcoins down in the cushions and getting them safe you know that that's another just incredibly important aspect of this that is a interesting story there are some old timers that maybe they think, oh, I don't have any coins and exchanges. I'm better than that. And they forgot back in like 2013, they had something somewhere. So yeah, now it's time to clean those cushions. Yeah, that's a good idea. I yeah, I'd you, like you that. Do that. You do that every year, you know, it's going to be less likely that you forget and have unclaimed property uh, that is that ends up escheating to the state. Or you get you get some of these exchanges or whatnot that introduce a storage fee. And so they just start taking the 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 bitcoin that was forgotten there you know yeah that's why you need to do this every year uh you know there's you, you just don't want your bitcoins uh eaten away or forgotten about or lost or whatever it's uh and you learn a lot in the process demanding the keys proving now since this is going to be bigger uh than last year let, let's take talk take, talk hypothetical here because again there was someone in my comment section the other day that said, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to move them off. I'm going to keep them at Coinbase because if Coinbase went down, all cryptocurrency would go. There'd be no more Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Now, I, I corrected him. I said that is, that's out of the question. There's nothing that's too big to fail. In, okay, there's nothing that could bring down uh, all of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. No single entity going away. Uh, but if, dude, we, Coin we already, we already saw that with Mount Gox. Didn't but that was Bitcoin. okay. But that Just was twenty thirty. It did, and now Bitcoin is a lot stronger than that too. But what would happen if Coinbase went down? What do you think would happen if Coinbase went down? You know that this this is interesting because I put my tweet out about proof of keys last year, and three days later, Coinbase makes an announcement that they're going to be uh, testing their cold storage procedures and moving a bunch of Bitcoins on chain, and then they moved like eight hundred fifty thousand Bitcoins the following week. You know, trying to calm everybody down, like, oh, we really have the the key, the coins, you know, and the keys. Um, but you know, if Coinbase were to fail, a bunch of people who have paper Coinbase bitcoins would now realize that they don't have any Bitcoin, and the people who actually have Bitcoin would realize 
that a lot of paper Coinbase Bitcoin that was suppressing the price because of the increased supply of Bitcoin uh, no longer exists and that their Bitcoin is now even more scarce. So, you know, I think it actually be a net positive for hodlers of last resort who have their keys and have their coins. Yes, that is, you know, <laughs> like look at Quadriga CX, look at Cryptopia, look at Mt. Gox. Bitcoin price is way higher now than it was when we had Mt. Gox around. Yeah. Like bring on the failures, like, like destroy all of that paper Bitcoin out there, buddy. Like, you know, to me, that's just phenomenal, you know, or, you know, let it, let it stay there and let me keep buying real Bitcoin at the suppressed price and taking possession of it. Burn that, you know, I, I like to buy my Bitcoin cheap. Yes. Well, we all do. We all do. Well, those who value our wealth in Bitcoin, there's all sorts of other people that value their wealth in Tether and are just flipping back and forth. It's, uh, it's, it's nonsense. But yes, burn the paper Bitcoin. Now, I want to talk about incentivizing people to participate in this. You had a tweet that was, uh, I didn't think it was controversial, but some people like attacked you because of that. Uh, talking about a proof of keys coin, maybe uh, issuing a crypto dividend. <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it. I took it to a new level. I thought maybe someone's got some old altcoin. They can revive it by uh, uh, forking it off and airdropping it to Bitcoin holders that hold their Bitcoin on January the 3rd. I love the, uh, the the proof of keys coin idea. Have, have you given that idea up? Would it? Would, I mean, you don't have to create it. I mean, anyone could do it. If someone If someone actually did that, would you? endorse or talk about it at least or what's your what's your take on proof of keys coin well i mean i mean my my experience with uh the fork wars you know we were we were a lot we didn't know what would happen with with bcash being the real bitcoin right we, we didn't really know what would happen uh but you know these forks are they're kind of tasty <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> especially if they have some some economic value to them so you know i I don't mind them at all. I think they're great. And, uh, and, and I also like the idea of having more species out there, you know, like diversity helps the ecosystem, makes it more resilient. And, uh, you know, with a, if there were some type of a proof of keys coin or, you know, some type of an airdrop or fork or whatever, uh, that, that incentivize people to be holding their, their own private keys off exchange, I think that could exert some economic pressure on the exchanges, you know, because now you're creating this additional asset. The problem, though, is there's no real way to distinguish between it being an exchange versus just the the individual holders of the of the Bitcoin. So, I mean, logistically, it's difficult to kind of kind of do that. Um, and I don't like creating coins just willy nilly for the fun of it. Um, I think it would need to be to be useful it would need to be a coin that is going to be testing some type of a feature or uh something that you know with that that we otherwise aren't testing on testnet because i mean testnet's nice and all but there's not really economic consequence uh to testing on testnet you know when you're able to test with economic consequences that's a lot more fun uh i i mean i've been a big fan of a lot of the different white papers that have come out, whether it's on side chains or uh, Mimblewimble or, um, you know, their simplicity, uh, a lot of these different white papers that have come out. And it'd be fun to, you know, be testing some of these features uh, in, an, in a real economic environment 
And what better way to do that than, you know, just doing it to where Bitcoin holders get it. And yes. why not give it out on January 3rd? You know, because yes. that's like proof of keys. Get, give it out based on a snapshot at the end of day on January 3rd. And and then, you know, it, it's not going to harm Bitcoin holders at all because they get it for free. Um, if somebody wants to buy the thing, like all the better. Who knows why they would want to buy it? Maybe they want to test that feature, right? Like what? Like why shouldn't we be trying to test these features, especially in like live real economically substantive uh, environments. You know, look at Litecoin. Uh, it, you know, every like Litecoin's been around, it's done great. Um, we've been able to activate SegWit there first, then uh, before on Bitcoin. We're able to put a million dollars into a SegWit address because people were saying, oh, their SegWit addresses aren't secure, blah, blah, blah. You know, well, prove it. Put a million dollars in a SegWit address. Nobody stole it for like four months. You know, so that helps resolve the, you know, if you're raising a bunch of FUD that like SegWit addresses aren't secure, but you can't go steal the million dollars that's in the SegWit address, like that's a bunch of BS, you know? Um, so, so I think there's, you know, there's aspects of this that I think, you know, if we could find some usefulness for the coin or whatever, and we're able to test feature sets that we otherwise don't get a test, or we're able to just play around with something that, we don't otherwise get to play around with. I mean, there's some cool technology getting developed out there and it's fun to play around with it. So like, I, I don't understand why people are so dogmatic and don't want to play around with stuff. Like that's what this, that's what this is about is innovation. And when you innovate, like you have to go through a lot of different iterations. You have to go through a lot of different, um, you, you, you got to test a bunch of different ideas. And so, you know, and especially, you know, as we move into this, uh, opening up this new front in the war for monetary sovereignty, uh, you know, we, we had the scarcity front, that's Europe in World War II, and now we're opening another front in the Pacific. Uh, and that's gonna be privacy, anonymity, fungibility. And at least, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been in this space for a while and I've researched a lot of the stuff. And even back in 2015, I was banging the drum, like we need to remove the smell from Bitcoin. You know, we need to really get some serious privacy stuff out there. And, you know, there's no there's no real easy solution. Like with the block size debate, the, the answer was very easy. Uh, but in the privacy anonymity fungibility debate, the answer is not easy. In fact, I, I don't even think there's an answer out there right now. So reasonable minds can differ all over the place on what the answer is. And that's great because then we get to test lots of ideas and features and and we get to do a lot of innovation. And the more privacy stuff that's out there, the more difficult it makes it on chain analysis companies and stuff like that to try to, you know, track all of this stuff, raise their costs. Uh, you know, these are little startups that have to get funded too. And they have to get they get they have to get revenue for their services. So just keep raising their expenses so they're they're not able to provide as good a service. You know, that like this is a lot. There's a lot to this war into this game, you know, and and and, and it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. I, I love that. I never thought about that aspect. Make more and more uh, privacy options out there so that companies like Chain Analysis have to keep on hiring more and more people to figure them out. I like it. I like it. It's uh, 
it, yeah, think think about it. They they just laid off thirty nine yes. people. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, so they got to lay off thirty nine people, and meanwhile, we've rolled out stuff like Mimblewimble on an extension block on Litecoin, and Monero putting Mimblewimble into a side chain, and then we got Monero with ring signatures, and we got Zcash, and we got like all this different innovation that's going on, and they're, and yet they're short staffed you know, because they had to lay a bunch of people off. So, you know, let's, let's keep doing whatever we can to raise the cost in terms of time, money, human ex expertise, you know, subject matter expertise, keep raising the bar so that it becomes more and more difficult to even find the people to do the work. Right. And then, and then that makes it more difficult for, for, for anybody that's trying to engage in the, the surveillance type stuff on these cryptocurrencies. Now, the, the privacy front in this uh, multi-front war, I, I like your comparison there. Uh, do you think it's going to get toxic like the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the previous debate, the block size debate? Do you, do you think people should take this uh, with a different, uh, a different approach to this? Or can, can we even help what happens here? Oh, I, I mean, people get toxic if they're toxic people. Um, but the, the it's you know i don't i don't think that we're going to uh the the block size war they were directly attacking our monetary sovereignty by trying to do a hard fork right they're trying to change a consensus rule definition that's a direct attack on the monetary sovereignty and you make a direct attack on that you know you're you're going to meet resistance and so but in the privacy front, uh, you know, where, where, like, look, some of these solutions are not going to get rolled into Bitcoin anytime soon. And some will never get rolled in ever. Like Mimblewimble will never get rolled into the base layer of Bitcoin. It's just not very feasible to do that. And so, you know, if there's a coin that does have Mimblewimble in the base layer as a feature set, why, why, why would that get toxic, right? Um, I mean, maybe you could get some intra uh, coin competition, uh, you know, but let the best ideas win in that case. You know, if if and, and as long as we're being honest and 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 doing science, you know, and, and looking at this objectively and not because we are trying to shill our ICO or something, um, you know, I, I think that that we can have very productive discussions. Uh, on trying to figure out how to get the best solution or solutions, plural, uh, in order to have privacy, anonymity, and fungibility. And that's a sliding scale, depending on how much of that you actually want uh, as a user. And sometimes you want a knife, sometimes you want a fork, sometimes you want them both. Sometimes you, you, need, you need an extra spoon and a plate in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And you know, the more the more utensils and the more tools that we have, uh, the better, in my opinion. And so, you know, hopefully we're all on the same team going after monetary sovereignty, you know, which needs scarcity, which Bitcoin has won that front, you know, and and the, even Christine Lagarde is kind of seeding that point. And then the other the other critical part is the, the fungibility anonymity stuff you were going to say. You said the scarcity battle is over. I see direct attacks brewing for this next decade. 
people are already saying, oh, we need more for miners rewards. We need there, there's not enough Bitcoin. There, people got in early. They were rewarded more so than latecomers. We need to increase the number of Bitcoin. I see that as, as a, bat, a direct attack on Bitcoin, increasing the 21 million limit. And I see it. I see talk of it already. And I, I mean, in the next two years, I would not be shocked if someone tries to create a 42 million Bitcoin and say it's the real Bitcoin. I, I see that as a, a something coming in the next decade. Also, I don't. I don't know yeah, I mean, I mean, people have talked about that since since the beginning of Bitcoin, yeah. right? But like, that's not going to happen. Like, it no, would be think, way easier to increase the block size than to increase the max number of coins. No, no, no. no <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not saying that. This is the thing: the Bitcoin will remain the 21 million Bitcoin, but the complainers are going to get louder. I think I think there are going to be more and more people complaining, trying, and maybe they're just doing it to weaken Bitcoin in hopes because you can't change that twenty million limit. You can't. It, it won't be changed. Yeah. No. Changed. Nobody. No, but there are people that talk. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't run into anyone. Yeah, but I I mean I haven't run into anybody that's taken seriously uh, that that is proposing an increase in the number of bitcoins. Uh, they, they only like, need, is there anyone serious? That, they only seriously? need like, they what's only need name? what they only no. I I haven't seen any big names yet, but we never could have predicted that uh, back in the day with the, with the block size thing that the Bitcoin Jesus was all of a sudden going to be against Bitcoin. So I mean, it would only take it would <laughs> we can't predict the next treacherous person out there. Um, but it. I think it'll happen. I think someone will be like, oh, it's unfair. It's unfair. There were only 21 million and, and be a, a, quite a public person and get behind it. And it'll just, and it'll cause some trouble and it'll scare some people. But we'll just end up with a new uh, fork of Bitcoin. And it will be great for those of us who hold Bitcoin to get this 42 million Bitcoin that will just. It will well, that's the, way the problem. I mean. I mean, that's the problem. Like, even if someone wanted to try to do that and even if, if they forked it, like. The economic substance behind Bitcoin, and and it's part of the social contract of why people buy it is because it's got that limit to it. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> like that's just a non-starter discussion. It's not going anywhere. That's the reason why you know I think hardcore people buy it, like me. I mean, it, it's it's so impossible for me to believe that someone who really uh, understood Bitcoin would want that to change. I mean. That's it, well, to, to, to yeah, become but, like but the I, Federal Reserve and just uh, decide, oh, we're going to print more now. I mean, that's just it. it would, yeah, but it just, would ruin just it. because just because somebody has a YouTube channel or a Twitter account or whatever doesn't mean that their opinion matters. What True. matters is the the economic substance that you're able to bring to this. Uh, how much mining power, full nodes, um, how many bitcoins are you hodling? You know, you got to have economic substance and power. Uh, in order to matter in this debate. And then you've got to be able to persuade other users, you know, because you can't force anybody to run your software. You got to use persuasion because uh, they get, a, everybody gets to run whatever software they want to run. <laughs> like, it's like herding cats. And, and I mean, you look at the amount of hash power that's going into the Bitcoin network and the the sunk costs on all that mining equipment, and then the number of full nodes that are out there. I mean, it's an absolute fortress of validation that's going on. Uh, and those are just full nodes that have connected recently, right? You got hardware that haven't even connected for years. 
You know, I mean, like you got the Bitcoin hodlers are insane. Did you see that that article about 11 and a half million Bitcoin haven't even moved in the last 12 months? Yes. Like Bitcoin hodlers are insane. Uh, like they're just they're like a rock. They're like a mountain. Like you're not moving a mountain. You know, like you're just the mountains just there. <laughs> you want to become part of the mountain like Roger Ver did? Scoop, thanks for your fork that I got to turn into more Bitcoin to make my mountain bigger. Like, like Bitcoin's a mountain. Yes. Like the hodlers of last resort are a mountain. They're not going anywhere. Dude, I like that. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> what gonna, you going to do? I'm, I'm writing that down now. That's that's beyond strong hand. The mountain, the mountain. It's not moving. Pound that like button. All right, we got yeah. uh, we got a question. Well, we got a few questions here. Let me just before before I ask you the question, can you show me that gold uh, thing that you showed beforehand? Show, show the, <laughs> my my gold. cup. You like you like my cup. You, you can't you can't you can't drink out of a bitcoin. <laughs> Do you, man? You're you're flaming. You're, Solid you're, gold, buddy. Solid yeah. gold. There, there's some people that are gonna say that now. There's some. Uh, there's some gold <laughs> bugs that's going to be their new line. You can't drink out of a Bitcoin. Thanks to Trace. <laughs> Thanks to Trace. You see, I I am not. Everyone knows I'm not a fan of gold, but Trace is, and I I wanted him to show his uh, nifty uh, cup cup out there. Yeah, uh, well, gold is gold is the ancient metal of kings. You know, gold gold is about monetary sovereignty. Also, you know that that's the goal, the purpose, the aim is monetary sovereignty. The means, gold. Bitcoin, you know, some privacy fungibility coin, you know, that's the means. And then the action or the result is going to be, uh, you know, what we're what we're after. And so, you know, keep keep the eye on the prize. The prize is the monetary sovereignty. That's the prize. It's the prize, baby. Keep your eye on the prize. All right. Now we got the question. I'm going to try to read this correctly. because This is a little complicated. This is from Roman Q. He says, if we overlay the exponential reinforcement of the first six network effects with stock to flow and credit credit contraction. Do you expect the seventh network effect to happen gradually or suddenly? <laughs> um, I, you know, there's 7 billion people on this planet. They're all exercising human action. Um, and, and we have to keep in mind that, individuals we we measure in terms of days and months and perhaps years right but nation states they measure in terms of years and decades so for a nation state it's going to happen all at once pretty much you know it's 20 years probably you know we first 10 years is proof of concept the next 10 years based on that stock to flow model million dollar bitcoin you know it's going to it's going to have a market cap rivaling the US dollar uh, probably pretty soon. Uh, that that um, that stock the but flow for an model. individual. Okay, yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah but no, no. for the individual, you know, twenty years is is a significant amount of time, right? For an individual, it's gradually for the individual, but it's all at once in terms of like the the history of humanity. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of look at it that way. It takes a while for new technology get, to get understood and adopted and applied. And Bitcoin's just in just in the beginning stages of that. And yet, look at where it's at, you know, $100, $130 billion market cap. Uh, 
man, it's just wild. Uh, I want to ask you about that stock to flow guy, the guy that makes the stock to flow charts. Uh, plan B, you know him, right? Yeah, Plan B. Uh, do you, what, what do you think about that whole? Uh, some people say it's blown out of proportion, and people are worshiping him. Uh, that you should, you shouldn't blindly follow him. <laughs> what, what, what do you think about stock to flow? His his whole chart. Well, one, uh, the math is good. You know the the like it really is co-integrated. Now, the the conclusions that we draw from co-integrated data, uh, you know, multivariable co-integrated data, uh, you know, we we all get to uh, we all get to to draw different conclusions on that. Uh, what I find so fascinating about it is, you know, previous price history on stuff, as we learn in human action, doesn't necessarily tell us what future price action is going to be because there could be changes. You know, the price of a water bottle could be a dollar for 10 years and then it could be $50 the next day because there was a hurricane or, or something, right? But when we're dealing with Bitcoin, it's global. There are not really any supply disruptions, you know, maybe Mount Gox or Silk Road or the mining happening or whatever, but not a supply disruption like you would get with a hurricane and water, you know, and, and then we've got billions, billions of transactions done by tens of millions of individuals, all learning and applying their knowledge to try and make economic calculation. And so that's the data that, that is co-integrated. So, you know, I make the argument with the seven network effects and, and, and a lot of other arguments, uh, We've got Safedine with the Bitcoin standard. So we've laid the fundamental case out. And then plan B adds, you know, some of the econometrics to it that help us see and maybe learn some things from large data sets of individual economic calculation, right? The, the pricing signals that we've gotten. And, and maybe it's just showing that, that there are a lot of people that come in these waves that bet that Bitcoin is going to become that world reserve settlement currency. And it just kind of grows that way. And that's what, what we're seeing with this co-integrated data. I don't know, you know, it's, uh, but it's going to be really interesting to find out whether the model gets falsified because it's got to be hundred thousand dollars or above sometime between now and December 31st, 2021. Like, is the model going to be falsified or not? Because falsifying a co-integrated model, you know, anybody who wants to dispute the model, like, please give me different reasoning, right? Like, give me different reasoning than a supply shock from the happening and, and all these fundamental uh, network effects that are taking place. And, you know, the infrastructure and the ecosystem and the number of people and the number of unique accounts. I mean, there's actually a case to be made that we could see $100,000 Bitcoin to satisfy that co-integrated model. But, you know, if you're going to make a different case, like, why? You know, what's your reasoning? Like, what's your model? And, and, and why? what's the reasoning going in behind your, your model? And I haven't really, you know, it's hard to value Bitcoin. It's like a dog on LSD, like chasing a rabbit. Like, nobody knows what this thing's going to do tomorrow. But, you know, when, when, we, when we're looking at the seven network effect thesis and we're looking at the Bitcoin standard, you know, 
that gives us a model for where this thing could be in 10 or 20 or 50 years, right? And so what's the path to get there? And that's what this stock to flow model uh, for the price from plan B is kind of showing us is it's showing us the path that we get there. It's like a, it's like a street and you've got, you're walking the dog and the dog is going to wander all over the street, you know, but the street is still taking you somewhere and, and you're still following that street. Right. But the co-integration is the length of the leash on the dog as it's wandering all over the street. So where's the street taking us? World Reserve Settlement Currency, seventh network effect, right? That, that's where it's taking us. And the price going all over the place, that's just the dog on LSD wandering wherever, but it's still co-integrated with the length of the leash. Uh, so we've still got these bands of where the price should be. You know, it should be within these bands or the model gets falsified. Yeah, well, I, I am looking forward to the 2020s and uh, I hope it doesn't get falsified. Uh, we, 2021, I, we've got two years. Let's see it. Uh, I know we're one day closer to an all time high. Uh, one interesting thing that you said, uh, a dog on LSD. Very interesting comparison. Had you ever like seen a dog on LSD? I mean, that was that one I, I didn't expect coming from you there. <laughs> Where, where did, they, did that um, come to reality anywhere? Did you ever see like a video of a dog on LSD? That must be. I, I have seen some pretty funny videos on YouTube <laughs> with, okay. with these animals that eat stuff. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> right. It's like, man, I wonder what that animal's thinking. <laughs> we will leave it at that. People, people be careful with your psychedelics. Just don't let them lay around in the dog. The dog will eat anything. People be <laughs> Be real. I mean, people treat dogs like humans. I mean, on the plane today, everyone's got a darn dog. Someone even had a cat on the plane today. But yeah, be okay. Be careful with your animals. Help keep the pet population uh, nice. Uh, get your pet spayed or neutered. I'm Bob Barker. Okay, so let's go to this question here. Can you ask? And your and your dog your dog is not a child, by the way. Well, yeah, I, I, that's a very important you know it's not human. <laughs> A lot of people don't understand that. Anyway. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, especially in like these cities, you know, they think their dogs are kids. They do. Uh, you're, guess what? Your your dog is not gonna your dog is not gonna take care of you when you're old. It's not gonna come visit you in the nursing home. You know, like have some time preference. Think about the future, people. <laughs> Bitcoin long term thing. That's how you tie it all in. It's about long term thinking. The people that have the kids instead of the dogs. And they save. Oh, why are you saving that Bitcoin? It's for my children. People don't get that sometimes. You know, they don't want they don't want their kids to to work in the future. It's okay. It's a good thing. I I, I meet a lot of. I've talked to quite a few people that are like, you know, I'm I'm stashing sats. I'm buying it every day, so my kids won't have to work. So my kids will have a great life. I think it's that's some real long term thinking, thinking beyond your own uh, lifespan. There. So uh, yeah, people. With yeah, and it's uh, you know, sound. Sound money, sound families. You know, fiat money. You got a fiat family where your kid's a dog instead of a human. Oh, I mean, what a lonely existence. You know, for real. We're, we're like, going. We're going beyond Bitcoin here. We're going beyond. This is good stuff. This is like the Saturday show. <laughs> Saturday show people beyond Bitcoin. Okay, we got to get to the, this question. This is a good question. Can you ask him what he thinks of Kraken's proof of reserves? Is that sufficient? with being able to shuffle coins around. Oh man, like gotta gotta throw me the hard the hardball, huh? Um 
So proof of reserves, the last time that was done, I think, was 2014. So, <laughs> you know, that is what it is. Um, okay. I don't know that people should be putting much stock in proof of reserves. It's five years old. Um, and they haven't done one since, you know, for and, and I was actually talking with Jesse about this. You know, it's things are a lot more complicated. The security situation at Kraken is more complicated. There's a lot more assets at risk, you know, customer assets. And so they I mean, they have to be bringing some serious uh, security brain power and everything and processes and procedures and multi-signature and geographic distribution. So, I mean, it's it's just a lot more difficult to run a proof of reserves uh, than it was five years ago. But, you know, we like Kraken hasn't done a proof of reserves. And I'm not going to be like Roger Ver saying I, I read some piece of paper that said Mount Gox had the money. Like, I haven't seen anything at Kraken. So, like, don't rely on me. <laughs> here's here's another Kraken uh, question. Uh, does Kraken have plans uh, for implementing Lightning Network? I don't know. But they did. They recently hired Pierre Richard. So, um, and he's been doing a lot of Lightning Network stuff. I just saw a tweet. He went to Visa, gave a presentation at Visa. Uh, today all about lightning network from like 9 30 till four in the afternoon i mean must have been pretty serious uh the visa must have been taking it pretty serious so um you know i you'd have probably have to ask ask him or someone else uh there at you know on the team with deposits on like what are what's cracking an offer i mean just offering Bit bitcoin deposits kind of gets the job done pretty well so you know what's the incremental benefit from all the tech resources that would go into implementing lightning i don't know um i think it'd be pretty cool but i don't know if it's worth all the money and time something you just brought up pierre spent an entire work day talking to visa about the lightning network that's very interesting that's pretty big yeah news. and i and and probably visa employees attended it right so yeah. like they're taking time out of their their data to go learn all about lightning network from pierre that's pretty cool well, that's that's interesting because everyone says, oh, the Bitcoin will never be able to beat uh, the credit cards. They can do like a million transactions in a second or whatever they can do. And yet the credit cards want to learn about Lightning Network. That's that's interesting. That's uh, I wonder what. That's oh, man. Like. I mean, it like, well, it. I mean, if the credit cards like, man, they could they could really reduce a lot of their fraud and and uh, other other costs by rolling bit, you know, becoming a Bitcoin payment processor, basically. Um, you know, that I that could be a great solution for them. Um, and, you know, they'd want to partner with someone like a Kraken in order to be doing the exchanging uh, so that there's not that exchange rate risk. So, I mean, what we're seeing, you know, Bitcoin's had its proof of concept. Now people are actually taking it seriously at these biggest companies in the world and looking at ways to, to implement stuff and actually learn about it and everything. The network effects are real, man. Like there are a lot of hodlers out there and they might want to spend some money on coffee and they're going to have to use lightning network to do that because the transaction fees are, are about a cup of coffee. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because Bitcoiners can afford transaction fees. <laughs> now let, let, we got, we got another question for you. Ask trace if Bitcoin cash settled derivatives are good or bad for Bitcoin. I know what the answer to that is. I, I mean, I don't really like them. But uh, they are what they are. And I mean, at the end of the day, more liquidity is better, in my opinion. Um, 
And, and okay, so if they do end up suppressing the price, well, it's just paper Bitcoin that, that they've got. They don't actually have real Bitcoin. And so, you know, if the price is suppressed, I like buying my Bitcoin cheaper. You know, I, I don't really mind that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy Bitcoin cheaper and then I'll demand possession of it. So give me the real Bitcoin and not the paper Bitcoin. So I don't think there's much that much to be afraid of with a Bitcoin price suppression scheme like there was with gold. You know, gold was just much more susceptible to censorship uh, than Bitcoin is because the cost to run a gold full node so high. But in Bitcoin's case, you know, just proof of keys, demand the keys, withdraw your, your Bitcoins. And then you've got the real Bitcoin, not the paper Bitcoin. Leave someone else with the paper Bitcoin, you know, like a Quadriga CX customer or a Mt. Gox customer, you know, just don't be one of them. Let's now, now you're, we're tying it back into, uh, we've come full circle. Give us some uh, more, some more information about uh, proof of keys. It's, it's going to be January 3rd, but it, it give everyone a quick, uh, a little lowdown on it so, so we can tie everything up. So just in case people don't understand exactly what it is and uh, where they <laughs> go, just they, they got it all clear right now. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for helping support the initiative. I mean, it really is an, a public service announcement. Um, uh, anyways, we January 3rd, we celebrate our monetary sovereignty. Uh, Proofofkeys.com. We have a little countdown clock little honey badger running off with the keys, not your keys, not your coins. So you run your own full node, you hold your own private keys. It's really that simple. If you want your monetary sovereignty, then come and claim it. You know, otherwise just remain a slave. It's that easy. Yes. Yes. Wow. That I, I, I like that. I like that. Hey, I want to, I want, since you brought up privacy beforehand, uh, I, I want to go, I want to go back to that real quick too. Uh, and again, people, please follow him on Twitter. Check out uh, Proof of Keys. Do it. Most the, the best thing you do is spread the word and get your stuff off Coinbase. But uh, I want to go back to privacy. People keep talking about CoinJoin stuff. You uh, think it's a good uh, good privacy practice? Is it sustainable? Uh, I I mean, I don't know. How do you know that you're not you're not coin joining with a terrorist or or someone that's trying to evade sanctions? And then you're, then you try, you know, then those bitcoins, you try to move them into your exchange account or whatever. Um, I had a bad idea. You know, th this is part of the problem with with all the smelliness to Bitcoin, having that immutable record, that immutable blockchain. Uh, it, it because usually the people that want to do the coin join, uh, they they have bitcoins that have a lower value. Than the, than the quote unquote clean Bitcoin. And so they want to transfer value from the clean Bitcoin to the dirty Bitcoin. You know, that's that's why they want to do the coin join. And so if they can find people that want to coin join for free, uh, then they're able to, to get that value transferred to them, right? So, you know, one, I think you're, you're kind of giving up some value for free if you've got the clean Bitcoin. If you've got the dirty Bitcoin, then yeah, I mean, like you want people to get to transfer that value to you. Um, but that's, you know, why using CoinJoin on other other chains, you know, especially like Mimblewimble implementations, because all of those are CoinJoin by default. You know, that's another problem is is CoinJoining is opt in. And so not everybody is doing it. And because of that, like you have some problems, you know, it's a lot easier to to kind of find the three people that are wearing a mask instead of if everybody's wearing a mask, right? So um, 
you know, I, I just don't know that it's the best idea to be coin joining. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of brain damage to have your accounts shut down, you know, especially when they've been AML and KYC properly and everything. Like it's just a bunch of brain damage. And eventually you might find yourself blackballed from all the exchanges. And why, like, why'd you do that? Right? Like what benefit did you get out of that coin join? Right? So, um, was it really worth the cost? And, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't want any brain damage. So, you know, I, I like, you know, I got my clean Bitcoins and, and I'm able to move them in and out of exchanges. And I've never had any problems from any of the exchange compliance officers. Um, and I pay my taxes and, you know, I, I'm in a very defensive, defensible position. You know, because I, I don't have to explain some transaction with a who knows who, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't, I can't end this interview without bringing up one thing, but you've said this a few times out during the interview. Mimble Wimble, you've said it at least three different times. Are you impressed well, that by paper, it? That paper, that paper is amazing. Yeah, I mean, when that paper came out, uh, you know, and then I watched Andrew Palestra's uh, uh, presentation on it. And isn't that crazy? His his presentation even now only got eighteen thousand views. It's like nobody's aware of 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 this. Um, and I think it's really cool. You know, it's a we got scalability, we got uh, better privacy and and fungibility characteristics with it. Um, you know, I think I think it's a pretty cool feature, pretty cool feature set that can get implemented. Uh, and we have so much stuff. You know, whether it's Lightning Network or uh, you know, the zero knowledge proofs, although I don't really like those because, um, you know, you can't have anything that risks the scarcity amount uh, of the Bitcoin. But Mimblewimble, with the, the way it has excess values, um, you know, we're able to continue, we can prove that scarcity uh, of the total number of coins. So, I mean, it really is some cool moon math. And, uh, you know, we're, we're opening this new front in the privacy war. And I've, I've been a big, you know, I've been a big advocate for privacy stuff, you know, even before Mimblewimble existed. Um, you know, just because I'm not necessarily a fan of CoinJoin doesn't mean I'm not a fan of privacy and fungibility. It's just, I don't think CoinJoin's the best way to accomplish that. Yeah. I gotta find that video uh, that you say only you say it's a great video. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mimblewimble Andrew Palestra. Okay. Uh, he he gave the it's when he gave the presentation to the San Francisco BitDevs uh, group. I'm uh, I'm looking. Uh, hopefully, it'll be linked to below. All right, then let me let's see if there were any other questions here before we tie it up. Okay, no no other questions. Everybody was very happy, very good. Trace, any any final words you want to say about the the project or just <laughs> the 2020s or just I mean, this is so exciting. We're we're entering this golden age decade for Bitcoin now. And uh, there's there's so much, you know, we couldn't predict what would would happen this last decade. Who knows what the heck's going to happen this next decade? I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for real, like uh, the the 2010s were just amazing. You know, Bitcoin came out. We took a beachhead with, uh, you know, with scarcity stock to flow. We we got that economic substance with a hundred billion dollar plus market cap on Bitcoin. You know, what's the next 10 years going to be like? That proof of concept's kind of over. Now we're moving into the 2020s. We have the time, the money, the resources, the human expertise to open an entire another front in the monetary war 
on privacy and fungibility and anonymity. Uh, you know, so we're going to be fighting in Europe and we're going to be fighting in the Pacific and we have the resources to do it, you know, freaking awesome. Like it's going to be so much fun. And you're just going to, you're going to want to make sure that you hold the keys, like prove those keys, make sure that when, you know, be the, be the sovereign, you know, be the one that gets to choose whether or not those Bitcoins move, not the slave asking for it to happen. Uh, Proofofkeys.com, you know, like, Grow, grow that, grow that monetary sovereignty spine. Flex those muscles. Prove those keys. All right, that's a good Boom. way. To, that is a good way to end it. Have a strong hand. Well, thank you, Trace, for uh, doing this show and for providing this uh, service for everyone. Spreading the word. Hopefully, it grows every year. Uh, no doubt, this will be the biggest one uh, ever because this is only the second one. But it's going to keep <laughs> keep on spreading the word. People, check it out. I'll link to that Andrew Pelester thing. I'm going to find that Mimblewimble thing and uh, link to it below. But that's it, dudes. I am Adam Meister, and I flew from Baltimore to Tucson today, and I haven't slept very much. Remember, pound that like button. Bang that bell <laughs> button. Tomorrow is This Week in Bitcoin. J.W. Weatherman, BTC, Benny, and Jeet are going to be on at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Who knows? Will it top the show? You never know what will happen here. It's the wild, wild west over here. But thanks a lot, Trace, again. And bye-bye, everyone. See you Friday. Ciao, ciao. See ya. Uh, th thanks so much. All right. All right. Let me stop.